1: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news, all right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash
0: Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. We've missed you guys. We took a little hiatus and now we're back and we're back in a big way with Diane Dolphy Offett of Soda Pop PR. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're excited to dig into your um, your backstory, but also all things PR and winding up and ending the year well. So i um, excited to get going on this. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about Soda Pop PR?
1: Yes. Well, Soda Pop PR, we're a boutique hospitality shop. Uh, we're based here in Los Angeles. Uh, we specialize in creative campaigns, uh, promotions and launches and events for food, beverage, and lifestyle clients. Uh, We are a small but very scrappy team of six uh, and recently celebrated our seventh birthday this year, kind of going into our eighth year, which is really exciting. Um, And, you know, right now, as all of us, uh, we're actively planning for an exciting 2019. Um, You know, yeah, like I mentioned, we're a small shop, but uh, we do really big work.
0: I'm really proud of the work. Is that that a tagline? I love that small shop, but we do really big work. That's pretty cool. Um, do you guys, you, you talked about hospitality. Is it exclusive to hospitality? Is that sort of your niche or
1: I like to say hospitality PR, because one it's, it's my background. I spent, um, my formidable twenties, late teens and twenties working in the restaurant industry on all sides, uh, and I learned a lot about the customer service and just my work work ethic I think came from the hospitality industry and then I worked in hospitality PR um, specifically for restaurants and hotels uh, really mm-hmm. kind of sinking my teeth into the industry earlier in my career so when I launched my own company I really wanted to take the foundation of you know the over-servicing clients, um, delivering your best work, listening—you know, being the most fun people to sit next to at the table, um, really paying attention to the details, um, and you know, apply that to the principles of our company. So, you know, at Soda Pop, we work with. Uh, brands uh, in the food space uh, more than I did in my previous kind of life with restaurants Mm -hmm. and hotels. But I think that our secret sauce is that because I really... I, I ca- called it kind of like my boot camp. Mm-hmm. I learned so much working in the restaurant industry on all sides that it, it just was a natural fit and to the kind of work that I wanted to do here at Soda Pop PR. So it's not transactional uh, because if the customer is unhappy or if the client isn't happy and they don't feel valued, then, you know, we don't stay in business and I don't, co- you know, I don't love coming to work every day if, if you're kind of constantly putting out fires. So that's really why I still call it a hospitality PR shot, but... know, we like to do work with clients, good, I always say like good people doing good things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, yeah, our experience is primarily in that kind of food, beverage, lifestyle space. But, you know, if a client or a potential client emails and they're doing something really cool, and I feel like we have the contacts, the bandwidth, and just the excitement to do really good work for them, um, then we take the job because, you know, that's how you learn.
0: Sure. Um, Okay, go back a little bit to, there's um, something you said that um, before we dig deeper into your background, you said, I don't like to do transactional work. What do you mean by that? Running a small business is hard. Yes. (laughs) And it can be easy (laughs) to
1: cut and paste uh, and not be thoughtful or take a minute and really think about what individual, each individual client needs and is asking for. So I define transactional one as cut and paste, but I also mm-hmm. define it as telling people only what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. Um, and because that's easy, that's an easy sure. thing to do. And I think that being open and honest um, and trying to dig a little bit deeper and ask questions to, with the goal of doing your best work and keeping your team happy to do your best work so ultimately your client we're able to exceed expectations that takes digging deeper and being real. And so that's kind of my definition of it um, because I, I made a conscious effort early on to uh, really keep a curated list of clients. So anywhere from, you know, five to 10 at a time, and hopefully hopefully, keep them really happy. So they continue to invest in our shop uh, on the flip side, you know, instead of maybe having 20 or 25 clients and everyone's just so bogged down at work and they can't keep things kind of clear and set and organized. And, and I think that's where you can tend to get a little bit more transactional because you just really don't have the time
0: to do quality work. Sure. So if I'm going to, um, as a lay person, I'm going to try and better understand what you're saying. Cause I think there's some, a real kind of nugget of wisdom that translates across all sorts of businesses. So perhaps, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. So in a transactional, I'll just use an example of uh, a client comes to you and says, hey, Diane, we really want to be an X publication or we want to do X influencer campaign or whatever. And it's sort of this one-off goal. That might be a transactional activity versus, hey, we need to have a strategic plan for our PR Um, goals for uh, what each quarter does over the course of a year, how we build on each quarter, how we're really investing in our public relations, the face of our brand, those sorts of things. So you guys are coming along and really doing that sort of work and partnering with these businesses. Is that accurate?
1: It it is, yeah, in essence ish. and another maybe way to, to help the audience. Ish, yeah, ish. Maybe another way too is so for example, if we are um, say producing an event for a client and we're going to um, a market that they really we need to build relationships in, we take the extra time and go the, the extra mile first we need to find a partner for the event so it's just making sure that we're doing our due diligence to have a lot of phone calls and get to know said partners to find the right fit so if it's a chef partner do they align with the goals of our client you know do they seem like-minded and then when reaching out to you know folks to attend instead of just blasting out you know hundreds and hundreds of emails just hoping to get people at the table we take the time to research and get to know the people we're going to invite So when we reach out to them, we can be personal and connect with them on a way like this is why we think you would want to be there (laughs) Um, and get to know them. And, And in the long term. Instead, a transactional would be, we're bogged down. It's crazy busy. Uh, I've been to this one restaurant. Let's just pick them. We'll throw some money at it. Um, and here's this list of like 200 people. Just blast a high you're invited. And let's see if we can get 20 people at the table. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I think that you can find success. You can still get 20 people at the table, probably with both methods. But our method um, or, or the way we approach things is you know, a little more customized. And and it's just I in the long term, I think that that ends up becoming real success instead of, you know, short term checking a box, if you will.
0: And yeah. And the reason I wanted you to sort of elaborate a little bit more was because or is because I think a Mm -hmm. lot of businesses need to identify what they do really well and even just what paradigm they want to work in. Perhaps there is somebody out there that says, I only want to be transactional. I want to be a machine and and feed these sort of yes. a la carte efforts while somebody else is saying in in a service industry like yours, I actually want to be... Um, focused on the big picture and partnering with our the brands that we work with and have a, a deeper relationship yes. that understands their needs.
1: I should have said that. Needs. Like you, you said that perfectly. That's what I should have said. I mean, that is the perfect way to of, uh, summarize uh, like the kind of essence and the mission and the foundation of the kind of work we do, because I truly believe that there, there is an abundance, you know, I, I can live personally and professionally from that mantra and you will find clients that they're the right fit for you and they will find you. So, you know, even at times if you're pitching new business and it doesn't work out, that's pro- there's probably a reason like dating, you know, you, you really wanted <laughs> to like the like guy dating. And, yeah. you know, uh, online, he seems great. And, and yeah, you met him in person and uh, he's just, whatever, he's a lot shorter than you thought he was going to yeah. be, whatever. Like it just, we it's love just short guys, but yeah, yeah, that's okay. I mean, I do a but very tall, tall guy. Too. So I, I yeah, guys,
0: I get so. it, but don't, don't want any short men <laughs> listening to be offended. <laughs>
1: No, no, not at all. Um, But you you know, the meaning is sometimes on paper, things look one way. And then when you get in the room, or you really kind of dive into what you're really looking for, you you figure that out. And and I think
0: that um, the clients that we work with are attracted to the way we work. So, okay, Diane, you've talked about how you came to this sort of philosophy and you've embedded it into your brand, but go back um, and tell us about kind of what was your professional experience? You you said the restaurant industry, but were you working for another company? And and when did this translate into, hey, I think I want to be an entrepreneur and launch my own uh, agency? I did.
1: Yeah. So originally, a long time ago, I came to L.A., For acting, Um, spoiler alert, that didn't happen. (laughs) From Ohio, right? Uh, Yeah. So yeah, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I went to college in Ohio, so um, and I worked in Ohio for about a year after I graduated from OU. Uh, And you know, it was one of that. It was just that voice in my head that wouldn't quiet. And I said, you know what? You only live once, and you have this has been your dream. You wanted to pursue this. You've been curious about this for a really long time. Um, go for it. So that's what originally brought me to Los Angeles, ended up waiting a lot of tables during that time. But I had gone to college, my degree was in communications with an emphasis in public relations. So it was something that I was interested in, you know, but kind of had to need to, I needed to take that shot. Um, And then as I was approaching my late 20s, I wanted more, I had a significant life event that kind of, you know, reshaped my goals and what I was looking for. Uh so I reached out to my network and that included um, a friend who owned, owned an ad agency. And I reached out to him and I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll sweep the floors. I'll file, <laughs> I'll file, um, you know, projects, whatever you need me to do. But I'm here and I, I want to learn. And it just shows you what timing is. Obviously, it helps who you know. But at that time, they had a big event and they needed extra hands on deck. Um, so that was supposed to be a weekend gig, and it turned into about a six-month um, uh, duration of my project work there because uh, I just kept on saying, "Hey, whatever you need, to, whatever you need me to do, I'm, I'm game." Um, and that that gig, and I and I, I tell that because I think sometimes a, a lot of people listening may not know where to start, mm-hmm. or they feel like to you know it's okay to humble yourself um and start from the ground floor because no matter what ground floor you enter if you hustle and work hard someone will pay attention guaranteed yeah. all the time they will find work for you to do if you're a hustler yeah period like i that 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 is a 100 percent. you can trademark that i i guarantee those <laughs> results because it just works you know and um, But that gig really laid the foundation for me. Um, it gave me a legit resume line aside from, you know, actor slash waiter. And um, I got my foot in the door for PR. And I guess probably about 5 to 6 years, I worked for a handful of PR agencies uh, here in Los Angeles. All of them that had restaurant, hotels, okay. or lifestyle clients. I worked anywhere from... I worked directly with the owner. I was the second... Hire to working for a really notable hospitality P- PR firm here in Los Angeles. And then um, another PR firm that when I started, there were three of us and we grew 65% uh, during my time there. And during that phase in my career, um, I was burnt out and it was just, it was just, it was really intense. And I was looking to take a break. But at the time, one of the clients that I was working with wanted to invest in us more, but it was contingent on me being part of that work. You know, that moment in my career and life where what I really wanted to do was take a really, really, really long vacation. (laughs) Instead, I had to kind of really dig deep and ask myself, you know, do I take a, a risk and potentially, you know, start my own company, knowing that no matter where I go, this client wants to follow me. Or do I just take a pause and really rethink what I'm doing with my life? You know, and I think we all have that moment. Um, I was, you know, in my 30s at the time, and and kind of just saying like, okay, is this what I really want to do? Because it's intense. You know, it's it's a it's a an amazing career and a really cool job uh, to have, but there are a lot of layers layers to it. And I'm really glad at that time I didn't do the easy thing, uh, which would have been to just go to Mexico and lay on the beach for a couple of weeks. I said, you don't get opportunities like this all the time. Um, pause, and consult the people that mean the most to you. And you've got this. Like you can, you can figure it. if someone believes in you, maybe you should be believing in yourself.
0: And was there a desire at that point to kind of do something entrepreneurial? Or was it, I just want to do something different than what I'm doing, that my burnout yes. level is kind of dictating that I pivot somehow.
1: Yeah, the latter. I I had no um, desire to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Uh, I I will say what I enjoyed, though, was managing and building teams. And so that and leading, you know, I, I do love leadership. Um, but by no means was, did I have this like secret plan no one knew about to start my own company? Um, I wasn't
0: probably part of your success. I find that most entrepreneurs actually lack in the management and team building part that they're focused on the product or service that they're building and they're sort of, they're visionaries and that's great, but they don't necessarily have the innate skills to grow from a, human resource point of view. So the fact that you came armed with that and with a desire for that is probably part of your success as an entrepreneur.
1: Thank you. I, I hope so. You know, I like to think so and because at the end of the day, well, first of all, working in public relations, we work for people. You know, there are a lot of personalities. If you don't like sure. people, if you can't put yourself in their shoes, if you can't figure out what they need, if you can't, you know, so loving people and personalities and making that human connection I think is vital for what we do, and I think that that's why I, you know, got a reputation for being really good at what I did because I just listened and I tried to connect with the people that I was working with, and you know, it helped that I had the creative talents to kind of uh, in, in the hustle to to you know kind of complete that package. I wouldn't still be in business if it wasn't for the people who work with me and for mm. me, and connecting awesome. with them. Um, it's not always easy. Sure, you, know, you do your best, and I'm sure there are days where I fail. Miserably, um, but I care. You know, I care in my sleep.
0: <laughs> That's a hashtag for all entrepreneurs. We care in our sleep, right? Or at least yeah. we're obsessed with whatever we're thinking about no, in our I sleep. Can, yeah, I definitely awesome. care in my sleep. It, probably to a fault, probably too much. <laughs> um, let me ask you because. I think there are listeners who are saying, okay, well, Diane, her story is a little bit of kind of a perfect storm. So she's in this industry. She's, she, you know, is with a reputable firm. She's getting a lot of work and exposure. And then lo and behold, a client comes and says, essentially, I'll be your first client. You start out on your own. And I'll come with you. Give us the, a little bit more of a, a nitty gritty. Um, I almost threw in the towel when this happened. <laughs> it did. That uh, is, and I don't mean to stump you with a particular instance, it could just be like a general season of like, man, this is really hard. Is this what I want to do? But I want, again, I want the listener to say, well, I don't have the Diane story, but I want them to, to get the the flip side of even, even when these things are working out and these doors that you worked hard to walk through, um, happen. There's also this, there's the dark side, the hard side, the, like the persistent, um, you know, I just got to stick with it piece of the entrepreneurial puzzle that sometimes doesn't get told?
1: It definitely was not a straight line. I say that often. It was curvy as hell. And but during all of those curves, I just showed up and I put in the work. And yes, in my instance, the work and an opportunity met at the time in my life where I took a chance and, uh, and jumped in. Right. Yeah. But maybe your chance isn't starting your own company, but if you get within an organization and you love what you do, and that's also true, I want to add, if you're loving what you do, I remember I had a client once and I was with uh, my boss at the time and I was there and the boss, my boss went to the bathroom and she's like, wow, you really love what you do. And it made me feel so good. And I think she was kind of saying like, and I don't think your boss does like in a way, Yeah. I don't, I'm not speaking for her, but it's just yeah. like, she was so impressed. Like, you may not know all the answers right now because you're you're young in your career, but wow, you you really I can tell you love what you do.
0: Well, and if a client feels that they know you'll go get the answer, it's it's exactly. less about having it. Yeah,
1: don't think that just because you don't own your own firm or you aren't your side, you have a side hustle that maybe can't be your main hustle. Or you know you're not in a position I'm at right now that you can't be an entrepreneurial and entrepreneur in some way mm-hmm. uh, with what you're doing. Even if you're working for somebody else, here's what I want to say. They often I don't really like when people give advice that like don't work hard for someone else. Like work hard for you mm-hmm. because if you get in with the right group, you can advance and be rewarded. How whatever rewarded looks like for you. Even if it's not your firm or your business mm-hmm. or your heart, you know, mm-hmm. because not everybody is destined to be an owner or an entrepreneur. You know, they just don't want everything that comes with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think to kind of going back to your question, don't underestimate the power of putting your head down and doing the work. The right people will notice. And if you're lucky, if a little dash of luck is added in, a really game-changing opportunity in your career could be waiting.
0: Yeah.
1: But if you're not open and you're not living in the moment that you're in and doing the work that you have to do that day and not thinking about, I want to own the company or I want my own fill in the blank. Uh, people sense that if you're not... If, own the moment that you're in. Don't think 12 steps ahead. I guess that, that's the nugget. Yep. And, I, and I do think that, you know, but in current times, it's really easy to play the comparison game mm-hmm. and look to somebody else who is in a place that maybe you want to be. But I guarantee you, nine times out of 10, if you talk to that person, that they will fill you in on all of the jumbled mess that yes. came along with getting there. And, and honestly, all-
0: that's the, it, exactly what you're saying right now is why this podcast exists. It's yes. if we can get women to tell the truth about what it meant to launch their business, how they got into business, what issues they're dealing with, what things they're doing to find success or have worked for them, um, then we can empower in a in a literal way, other women to go out and find their own success, whether they've already started a business and they're trying to navigate, how do I actually, how do I make that first dollar? Um, Or they're trying to really grow their business and expand and they're looking for those bits of wisdom. So I absolutely believe what you're saying is true. I also wanted to just add something you talked about. If you're in a company and you think your end goal is to ultimately start your own, it's a great time on someone else's dime and with great respect for what they're doing and the fact that you're costing them money, um, but you're, do, you're bringing something to the table. But it's a great time. And this some people know this word and others don't, but there is something called entrepreneurial, And it's a great way to go to that boss, go to that manager, go to that director and say, hey, I actually have an idea um for something that is part of your goal, part of an initiative that you guys are putting forward or may, or perhaps out of the blue that I think could add value. Um let me run with this and you know present a budget for it and a concept and you know anything that you would do if it was a new client and sort of sort of test that entrepreneurial muscle and then do the things that are required to bring that thing to fruition and see if you actually like playing all the roles from being the accountant, to being the organizer, to being the content creator, to you know to everything that it takes to bring that thing to fruition. And if you don't, it may be that you actually like doing the work that you're doing, but you don't have any real desire or capacity or need or whatever to run the whole show. And it's a great way to sort of test that out. So just because you really like Public relations and working with clients doesn't mean you should go out and own a public relations agency or firm. And sometimes it's a good way to test that out. It
1: is. And, you know, I'm finding that um, a lot of young professionals and was so great. And I have those types of people on my team now that they up my game they are thinking that way. Like Mm. they have talents that I don't have that they have incorporated here at Soda Pop. And I am thankful for it. And I think that that is any owner, you know, you never want to lose talent. But if it's a lot easier to lose talent that left you with something really great and taught you something and really moved the needle for your business than somebody who you invested a lot in. And really they just kind of got by. Yeah. Uh, so I am all for that. And I have had women who have left my, my company who are doing really, really cool things. And I, I, um, have never looked at that as a negative. I celebrate them. And I take a little, like a little dose of like, pride in the fact that I, whatever, whatever I left with them or any of my mentorship, helping them now, like to me, that is why I do what I do. Uh, And and I, I think that's really, really solid advice. Because here's the thing, a lot of times people want the ownership of it, or it seems glamorous, but there is so much else that comes with it. So if you're not prepared for that sacrifice, and really understanding all facets of what comes with owning Anything. Um, And especially if you bring on a team to help support that as you grow and scale, um, it, it's a, it's, it's, you only learn it by doing. And so sure. you, you gotta, yeah.
0: <laughs> so go back to the last seven years, Diane, and just tell us kind of something that you might have changed or something that you may have um, done slightly differently from the beginning of your business to now that could have moved things along more quickly that could have, um, saved you some money, whatever. What's, what's one thing that you might go back and change?
1: You might not like this answer, That's okay. but I wouldn't change a thing.
0: Yeah. And
1: why? Because even the really dark <laughs> OMG, what yeah. is going on moments, the moments where I failed miserably, the moments where, um, Things look like they were come crashing down, or you know, um, a myriad of other examples. I wouldn't be the leader that I am today if I've had along the way, and I wouldn't have known better. Like you know, you 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 know better. You do better when you know better, but you can't know better unless you fall a whole bunch and you figure it out. So. I wouldn't change a thing. Like, for example, my first logo was scary, ugly. But I actually wouldn't change it. Like, I wouldn't change it because like, that's where I was at the time. And I'm glad I didn't come out super polished. Well, this was before Instagram. I had launched when Instagram was a thing. I think I would have felt a little more pressure from a visual standpoint. I wasn't in my head about the brand, the brand, the brand. I was in my head about keep doing the work that got you to where you're at today. So I'm glad that my first logo, because it's I laugh at it now and my husband and I actually we made a, a magnet of it and we have all these magnets on our garage and that's one of the magnets because I see it every morning and it kind of scrolls up when I'm leaving and it's a reminder of that person was just trying to do her best at the time.
0: <laughs> I love that. And I actually think the takeaway for listeners is to just start and to not wait for, Smart. not yes. wait for yes. something that is um, either you know perfect or that you won't regret. Just keep moving. And the fact perfect. that you said, just do the work, do your best work, do what got you here, I think is really important. We often talk a lot about brand, and there is great value in, in curating a brand that's meaningful for your audience. And, but I do think to your point, it can get lost in what is the work that you're doing. And I, have confidence that the consumer of whatever it is you're offering can see yeah. through um, to that and see the, the meaty and meaningful work. So thank and, you, you know, It'll evolve too. Yeah. You
1: know, even if you look at some of the brands that you covet on all levels and, and really look uh, through their journey they have evolved. Um, and that's what we all have to do. No one gets it right the first time, you know, I mean, very few people do. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, that's just my personal philosophy of it. And and I think that, you know, another thing for the listeners to really take heart of uh, whether you are launching um, a, uh, you're a maker and you're launching on Instagram and that's your main platform and you're overthinking like how you're communicating back to, you know, customers who are asking about your product and you're like, I can't believe I said that. Or for me, you know, maybe it was somebody on my team is kind of struggling a little bit. And I feel like I didn't handle kind of mentoring them. I didn't show up as like the way in my head. Um, I showed up a little differently in real life. And so I go home when I'm driving and I'm, I'm overthinking it, you will overthink and, and, you know, So much and you'll doubt yourself, but so does everybody else. And the key to success is to get up again the next day and do it all over again. Yeah. Because we're all human think and we just want to do a good job. And I think if you can remember that and they think people are more forgiving if you're just open and honest with who you are, uh instead of trying to be perfect and what everyone else wants you to be. Like I feel like that's a recipe for burnout and disaster. And that was kind of what I was doing in my previous life was I, I didn't have the wherewithal. And I didn't want to rock the boat, because I just was trained just to do the work. And that's it, keep your head down. I feel like back in the day, if I would have gone and spoke up and really communicated to my one supervisor, that this, these are the things I need to be happy, maybe she would have listened. And that, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. But you know, I think a lot of us are just afraid to communicate how we really feel or what we really need. Um, because we don't want to have that rejection if those needs are met with like, okay, well, those are, you know, I can't help you out here or just, you know, don't bother me with what you're feeling. I'm not that kind of owner. Like I want to know what people need to, to better client, whether it's somebody on my team, uh, because at least I I can try or I can let them know in a way that like, great. I, unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to be happening right now, but here's what I can do. Uh, so I, I, I think that it's a, it's a very personal thing that we do as entrepreneurs. It's it's, it's
0: you're all in. <laughs> yes, I think um, you're all in is sort of, is sort of the takeaway from any entrepreneurial journey the good, the bad, and the ugly. And mm-hmm. I think that's what separates those who succeed from those who don't is those that are committed to the journey, all of it. Diane, thank you so much for telling us kind of your backstory and how you started with Soda Pop PR. And we're excited for part two when we get to listen to you talk about how you wind up and wind down your year. So Liberty listeners, stay tuned for part two with Diane of Soda Pop PR. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower.